0: Mindfulness Mode, Episode 18
1: Breathing's everything. The way that you breathe determines the way that you feel.
0: Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. Today I'm talking with a man who has coached A-list Hollywood celebrities and even a United States Navy Admiral. But first, I want to thank you for the great reviews, Mindful Tribe. I want to thank Anne. At WW Entrepreneur, Colleen Crane, Dance Capades, and Cole Gear of Infinite Upgrade Podcast. He said, This is a stellar show. If you like hearing great stories with a self development twist, check out this podcast. If you like mindfulness mode, consider leaving an iTunes rating and review. We'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Okay, mindful tribe. Let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Nate Hawkstra on the line today. Hey, Nate, are you in mindfulness mode?
1: <laughs> I hope so, Bruce. I uh, I like to think I am. I'm I'm feeling good, very aware and present to the moment. So
0: terrific. Well, Nate Hawkstra is an elite results coach for the most well-respected and the most popular peak performance coach in the industry. He's coached over 300 people and logged over 2,000 plus hours of one-on-one coaching to help people get massive results in their life. Previous clients Nick has worked with range from a United States Navy Admiral, A-list Hollywood celebrities, and industry-leading eight-figure entrepreneurs. Hey, Nate, tell Mindful Tribe how you found your way to becoming a coach.
1: My my journey started out of a lot of pain and I hit a point when I was in my early 20s, I had been in and out of school. I thought school, you know, university was what I wanted to do with my life. And, um, I, you know, I thought that was going to be kind of my path. And so um, I went to college and then I ended up leaving college realizing that wasn't going to be for me. And then I went back to college and then realized, you know, I I made the right decision the first time. And, and, uh, and I found myself in this real low place in my life in my early 20s where I was out of school. I didn't know what I wanted to do um, with my life. And I was really confused. I was sad. I wasn't taking care of myself. And I, I hit this like almost depression state, um, so a place I'd really never, ever been in my life. And So, um, out of that pain, I, I started searching for answers and I started reading books and listening to, you know, different like CD programs to help turn my life around. And, um, the first one that I ever found was a, a, a CD set called live with passion by Tony Robbins, who uh, I consider to be one of my mentors these days. And, um, and so I started listening, I started learning and growing that, that, love for learning and growing allowed me to change my life, you know, come out of this, this place of like depression, um, you know, find a great career, put myself on sort of a path. And then, uh, it led me out to California. That was a goal that I had set. Um, I'm from Michigan, by the way, that was a goal that I had set when I was 24 years old in Michigan. And I read that goal every single day for two years. And then I finally moved when I was 26. And when I moved out here, I uh, I went to a few different events that uh, transformed me, um, and so those events. Uh, one of those events, I quit my job on the first night of the of the seminar. Um, made a kind of a radical decision and realized, you know, I wasn't happy doing what I was doing, and I I believed I was meant for more, and so that opened up the space for me to find uh what i did feel like i was meant to do with my life and and for me uh i was so passionate about self-development and sharing some of the tools i had learned in, on my journey that i wanted to help others you know be able to change their lives in the same and so that uh the natural answer for me was to be a coach and so that's kind of how i became a coach
0: well that's fascinating Nate and one of the reasons i say that is because tony robbins has inspired me as well i signed up for that program live with passion and I just went through it religiously and absolutely loved it and I attribute finding my wife to Tony Robbins as a result oh, wow. of that program
1: that's awesome
0: it was that's amazing awesome. yeah I was because I was at a low point as well I had gone through a divorce and I was just feeling like really at loose ends and so then he talked about relationships in there and I thought, well, I'm just gonna do what Tony says and I have an awesome relationship with an amazing woman as a result of that. So
1: Oh, that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Tony that's- Robbins is awesome, isn't he?
1: He is, he is. He's changed many lives and uh the work you know, the work he's done with his life is uh is pretty powerful. So
0: Yeah. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago in Toronto again. So that oh, was cool. fantastic. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah, yep. good stuff.
0: So, Nate, what inspired you? What motivated you to begin the practice of mindfulness?
1: I don't know if I necessarily had languaged it in that way where I was all of a sudden ready to become mindful. Mm -hmm. I think it was a a process, and I think you can, you know, in my opinion, I think there's different levels of mindfulness, and you can become more or less present to your life and what's going on and, and the way you feel about your life. But, again, you know, it's funny because Tony has a Tony Robbins has a saying where we change either out of desperation or inspiration. And mm-hmm. and for me, it was certainly desperation because I was <laughs> in such a low point that, you know, there was no other option. I, I, I couldn't it couldn't get any more painful for me at the time. And so, um, you know, that pain drove me to to want to just become more aware and figure out what the heck was going on inside me and why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And so, you know, just that pain, it it kind of sensitized me and um, allowed me to search for answers. And so... (sighs) It's it's been a process. I mean, I've been more and more and more mindful, you know, as I go, I think, and I'm sure I've taken steps backwards and forwards, but you know, it's it's been a process of you know, from from going to depression to finding my way and and putting myself on a path where I was happy again to, you know, changing my health and, and, realizing, you know, the things that I put in my body are, are affecting the way that I feel, um, to, you know, making a decision to become sober with my life to meditation, to, you know, meditating every single night. And so, you know, it's, it's been, it's kind of been an evolving process. I, I hope that answers the question.
0: Yeah, that does. I'm wondering how mindfulness has impacted your personal life, Nate.
1: I think it's made me a lot more okay with myself, a lot more accepting and loving of myself and less comparative. That's not to say that uh, I'm not human and I don't compare myself to others because I certainly do still, but I'm aware of it and I know how to change those feelings of inadequacy that we all experience from time to time and being okay with who I am and just leaning into any insecurities or any, any, you know, disempowering feelings or beliefs that I have. I think it changes your personal life in in a massive way, you know, because you realize that you're okay the way that you are and nothing really needs to change in order for you to be enough.
0: Yeah, for sure. I've definitely found that as well in my personal life. I know that some of our members at Mindful Tribe, we we sometimes talk about challenges that we have with mindfulness. Was there ever a time in your life when you just felt like it wasn't working, you were meditating, you were really trying to improve yourself and it just wasn't cutting it? Did you ever find that?
1: Certainly. I mean in in my opinion Bruce, mindfulness is is kind of like that step where you become aware of what's going on. And just because you come become aware to me doesn't mean you actually change things. It just be it just means it's now on your radar. It's almost like I think of I don't know if you've described these levels of consciousness, but I, I think of there's four levels of consciousness. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's the unconscious incompetence where you're, where you don't know what you don't know and yes. you don't know that you're not good at it. Right. And then there's the conscious incompetence where you become aware of it, but that doesn't mean that you're good at it or that you've kind of mastered anything. It just means that you're, you know, you're, you stink or you're <laughs> not good. Right. Yeah. And then, and then you have to think about it. You have to become conscious of it for you, for yourself to change. So you become conscious competence where you start to become better at it because you're thinking about it and you're putting your focus on these things. And now, you know, you're starting to change. And then eventually you become that, that level, the top level, which is unconscious competence where you're, you know, you're at this point where you don't have to think about it anymore. Mindfulness is just something you are. It's something that you do. Um, And, you know, you know how to make those changes about, of, of whatever it is that you become aware of. So, yes, I mean, certainly I, I don't know that life ever, ever stops throwing you challenges and problems. And I think, you know, maybe one of the problems is that we think we're not supposed to have problems. And so, um... Yeah, I mean, I think it's a constant, constant challenge to become mindful and you know a constant practice every single day, every single moment.
0: Yeah, well, that's interesting what you said because for sure we all have problems, and if we didn't have problems, that would pretty much mean we are not living. At least exactly. that's that's what I think.
1: Yeah, you wanna you wanna have no problems. Yeah, you know, go die somewhere and then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, and you'll be you'll be rid of them.
0: I'm sure as a coach, Nate, you experience people who feel like they're stuck. They're not able to move on in their careers or in their lives. How do you help them to move forward? And does mindfulness play a role in that?
1: Definitely. So the first step to, in my opinion, to creating change in your life is you got to really be clear on what it is that you want. And usually if someone is stuck, um, they're aware of it and what I've found at least is with the majority of my clients is that they're not real clear on where it is that they want to go necessarily. And some people are, don't get me wrong. This is just one, one, one thing that I find. Um, and just the process of loan of, of asking questions and getting truly clear on where it is that they're going, um, I find can remove a lot of barriers, can really get them unstuck because, you know, clarity is power. And when, when our brain knows exactly what we're after, it allows our conscious and unconscious mind to figure out, you know, what needs to happen for us to get there. So I find that like a lack of clarity is such a big thing for most people because they don't really take the time to like figure out, okay, I'm stuck. Well, okay, well, what are you moving towards? Right. Um, so that's one thing I've also found that, you know, um, just our internal conflicts and, uh, A a lack of awareness about what's going on inside of us, Um, whether that be a limiting belief or, you know, again, an internal um, conflict between, you know, uh, look before you leap or, you know, um, or just jump off the cliff, right? I mean, there's those that's like an internal conflict. Where, you know, it's like, well, what do I do? Do I look or should I dive in head first, you know? And in uh, a lot of people, I, I think unless they're fully congruent internally, they're going to, they're going to find themselves stuck. And so I think it's really helpful. That's why I think coaching is so powerful because it allows you to really navigate those waters and find yourself in a, in a better congruent place.
0: After you became a coach, did you feel as though you understood yourself better
1: also? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, they say the best way to to learn is to teach. Right. Right. (laughs) So all these ideas that I'd been learning for so long and incorporating into my life now, now it's what I share with my clients. And so it just deepens that level of knowledge. And and man, I mean, it's you realize people are are really not that different. And (laughs) The problems that my clients have are the problems I struggle. And just by being able to coach them, I feel like I'm coaching myself at times. (laughs) And there's often times when I'm like on a call and I'll be making notes to myself like, oh, I need to do this, you know, because I've just kind of unbroken this this realization or come to this realization or breakthrough that, uh, you know, just from coaching a client. So for sure, definitely all the time.
0: Nate, I want to talk about discipline. Discipline usually comes up when we talk about mindfulness, because a lot of people I work with, a lot of people that I coach, they feel as though they're missing something in the area of discipline, and then they beat themselves up for it. What thoughts do you have to share on this topic of discipline?
1: I'm so into discipline, and I think it's so important. And I find that if you're struggling with discipline, typically it's because maybe you don't understand discipline, and because discipline to me means you you do things even when you might not want to do them, and uh, and that's the whole point is that you follow through even when you don't feel like doing it because. The truth is, is no matter how much we reframe something in our mind and maybe how compelled we're, we are to do it, I mean, you and I were talking before we started this interview, Bruce, there's days when I don't want to coach, right. right? I mean, there's, as much as I love coaching, there's certainly days when I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh, I just, I don't want to be tethered to the phone today, right? right? But, but um, I, I push through and I do it even when I don't want to do it. And, and that builds, to me, that builds muscle. It builds an emotional muscle where you can get yourself to to follow through. And you know, if I didn't if I didn't follow through on those days when I didn't want to follow through, you don't get well. I, one, I don't get paid. <laughs> Two, you know, I don't get to build that f- emotional freedom. And the more you discipline yourself, the more you realize f- discipline is freedom because you now have like this freedom. It's like when you think of, um. Let's just say being healthy, right? Being healthy requires a certain amount of discipline. You've got to get yourself to the gym. You've got to eat certain foods, right? mm-hmm. and and most people think of that as you know restricting, like I, I I can only eat certain things, or I can I can you know I have to go to the gym when I don't really want to, and and I guess that's one way to think about it. But ultimately, when you're a healthy person, you've got way more freedom, right? You've freed up emotional freedom. You've freed up energy. You've freed up Um, time, because you've got a clearer mind. So to me, discipline is ultimate freedom. And I think most people frame it in a in the wrong way. But they also don't understand that it's that's what discipline is, is it's doing things when you don't want to do it. And it's so important.
0: Yeah, I really like the way you describe that. It it sort of opens it up in a whole new way for me. I know that uh, when you talk about health, I met a fascinating man at a conference I went to, and he was talking about going sugar free, mm-hmm. and i I think it's in my it's in my lineage. It's in my, my line somewhere there that, you know, there's a lot of large people in my background. And I just always really struggled with like being fit. Mm-hmm. And so I thought I'm going to give this a try. And so it's just a matter of you don't eat refined sugar or any products with refined sugar in them. And of course, at first it was a little challenging. But now it's really freeing because I don't have to make a decision. I know that I don't eat any of that stuff. So it, there's no issue there. So yeah. yeah, it is very, very easy actually.
1: Absolutely. And and you have now a level of control that you probably didn't have before. Absolutely. You know, where where you have that freedom to make a decision that no, I'm not going to do that. And and you don't have to experience the, you know, maybe the sugar crashes that you once that's did right. or you know. So
0: Yeah, that's made a big difference for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I know you coach a lot of fascinating people, Nate, and I'm wondering if you might be able to share a story, like one specific story about a person, a situation where you felt mindfulness really helped them transition to where they wanted to be.
1: Coaching in general, I feel like it's a process of becoming more mindful with every single client that I have. It's it's becoming more aware. Particularly, let's just say in in people who feel like they're not in a good emotional place. Mm-hmm. I think most of the problems, at least with depression, and I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but I've my personal belief is is that it's a an incongruity within yourself. Mm-hmm. It's it's also a lack of discipline and uh, a lack of building emotional muscle in yourself and so you know for the clients that i have that are really not in a good place emotionally it's it's a process of becoming mindful it's a process of be of waking up to what the heck's going on inside you why do you feel the way you feel right what are you sad about what are you what are you feeling and just waking up to that and then building like i said a a, a new muscle because emotions really are muscles and if we don't use them we lose them just like when we go to the gym mm-hmm. and so it's a process of waking up to to what's going on and then and then getting yourself so to speak to the emotional gym and and exercising new muscles and and putting yourself in different states and and changing the way you use your body and changing the way that you the, the things that you focus on and and that that process mm-hmm. so yeah I I don't know if I have one specific example, but I, I feel like every, every person struggles with these things. And so, you know, it's, it's a process of becoming mindful with everyone.
0: I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can really make a big difference in the lives of anyone who is experiencing bullying of any kind. Do you have any stories that you can share about bullying that may have involved adults or children?
1: Yeah. I, uh, well, I went through a period of bullying myself in my own life that really, really affected me. Um, when I was in high school, I was and what's interesting, Bruce is I was always an athlete Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the, I think the stereotype is when you're like an athlete and, and mind you, I was a, I was a quarterback mm-hmm. on the football team um, and I was a point guard on the basketball team. And so, you know, typically the general stereotype is like, oh, you're the quarterback, you're the leader, you, you're the point guard, you're, you're the jock. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, what's interesting was, is I had a lot of like upperclassmen that did not like me. <laughs> really? and probably somewhat rightfully slow. So I was young and I was probably, you know, a little more cocky than I should have been. And, um, and I was, uh, I was tormented a bit in high school by some upperclassmen that really, really affected me. Um, there was, you know, I, I mean, as a freshman or sophomore in high school, trying to kind of prove your way and find your place in social situations, but yet, and, and having this identity as like an athlete and, you know, somewhat of a leader and still being afraid to kind of walk down certain hallways, uh, it, it causes a lot of weird feelings inside you, <laughs> you know? Um, am I, am I the big jock athlete or am I, you know, this guy who gets picked on by the upper classmates? And so, yeah, I mean, I went through a, ter- a period of bullying that, that really affected me. And in fact, you know, I can remember, crying to my mom sometimes, um, about, about bullying. Uh, and, and this particular case, I was actually a little bit younger cause I, I did go through some bullying in middle school as well, but, uh, just crying and saying to her, you know, I'm never going to treat people this way. Right. Cause it's just, it's not right. And, uh, and I think that, that pain kind of awakened me to realize that, you know, it's, it's really not cool. to do that kind of a thing and so probably had a lot to do with where I why I do what I do today which is to help people to overcome situations like that
0: what a great story yeah, yeah, it's true. When you experience some of that stuff, well, it's funny how some people experience it and then they start doing it as well because they think that's just the way the world is. And yet other people like yourself, Nate, mm-hmm. you just make up your mind that you never want to treat people that way. So it's just really had an impact that is positive, actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, I've, I tried to use that as an example of what not to do. Right. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, here I am trying to, trying to help people overcome and become stronger and learn how to deal with similar situations. Yeah, and,
0: awesome. Yeah. It feels good to be helping people, doesn't it?
1: It does. It absolutely does. Yep.
0: Nate, my next questions are part of my next segment, the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the okay. first one. Who's one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice?
1: There was a point in my life in my twenties when I was kind of learning about the the whole dating scene <laughs> mm-hmm. and um and I used to like listen to these guys who would talk about dating and and what to do and how to kind of cultivate your your qualities and yourself to become an attractive man and uh and one of the things they said was to start meditating and I can't remember who specifically it was, but uh that advice it just made so much sense to me to meditate and kind of clear your mind because, you know, when you're in the presence of a woman, um, a big part of attraction is being present and meditation allows you to be present or more present. And so I started meditating out of a desire to maybe attract more women. And I think that's (laughs) that kind of, uh, it's not necessarily why I do it today, but, um, I just learned to love that practice. So. Well, yeah. that's,
0: that's a great reason. And yeah. and there's, you know, certainly if you're with a woman and she, she can tell right away if your mind is on something else and you're not with her and that's not going to help you. Right. How yeah. has mindfulness affected your emotions?
1: It allows me to be aware of my emotions for one, but then also lean into those emotions and, and figure out what they're trying to tell me or what, what it is that I'm experiencing. And then from that awareness, I'm able to to change it. So uh it's it's been it's almost like mindfulness has allowed me to become somewhat more masterful over the my emotions.
0: Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice, Nate.
1: Breathing's everything. The way that you breathe determines the way that you feel. So uh, just last night i could feel myself a little off and i knew it was because i was i was um i was breathing shallow and so i took 20 minutes at probably around 7 p.m. and i just sat up against the wall closed my eyes and became one with my breath and 20 minutes later it was like i was a new man. It breathing's everything.
0: Wow, isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be?
1: I think my favorite book of all time is The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. And uh, it's for it's geared for men, but women can read it as well, at least to understand maybe themselves and also men a little bit better. But that book has a lot to do with being present as a man and learning to become aware of yourself and your purpose. So I really enjoy that book. Yeah, I recommend it all the time to people.
0: Excellent. Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful?
1: I don't really necessarily use an app. I use a timer <laughs> on my phone. Yeah, that's and, good to uh, know. Yeah. I know for me, you know, I've been meditating for many years, so I'm I'm pretty familiar with it at this point, but <laughs> I know there's some great apps out there I've heard of um uh, I want to say maybe the app is called Mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, yeah, I mean, if you want to learn to start meditating in particular to become more mindful, I know there's some great apps out there. Unfortunately, I, I don't know the names of them all because I don't use them. I just use a timer. I sure. set a timer and I breathe. Yeah. And then when the timer's up, I'm done. There you <laughs> so. go.
0: And that's an app too. A timer yeah. app. Yeah. 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 What advice would you give a person who is new to mindfulness and would like to start using it in their lives?
1: Learn to become aware of the state In the emotions that you experience on a moment to moment basis and just become aware of the way that you feel. And once you learn to become aware of the way that you feel all the time and you don't and don't distract yourself, right? Don't push it away. Lean into it under like lean into what it is that you're feeling. And out of that, you're going to understand so much more about yourself and you'll be able to permanently make changes, whereas distraction is only really a change for the moment. So I think becoming more aware and um, maybe doing some journaling around the way that you feel about your life. Meditation is always a great start. Uh, I don't recommend starting off you know, 20, 30 minutes at a time, but maybe just one or two minutes mm-hmm. and then working your way up from there.
0: Sounds good. Tell us how Mindful Tribe can contact you and learn more about what you do, Nate.
1: Sure. Yeah. My website is com, So they can contact me on my website.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's been absolutely terrific talking with you, Nate, and learning how you use mindfulness in your life and in your career. And it sounds like it's really made a difference for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a game changer, Bruce. So I appreciate you having me on and, and uh, thank you for taking the time
0: yeah my pleasure so all the best to you bye now thank you so much for joining us today on mindfulness mode for insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode check out mindfulnessmode.com if you've enjoyed this podcast you could help us out by clicking on the itunes link on our website and leave a rating and review in appreciation i'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show Until next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.